We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome inside another draft edition of a Pack-A-Day podcast. I will be your host today. My name is Nick Schmitz, and guys, we are eight days away from the NFL draft. It is coming, and it is coming very fast here. It'll be here before you know it next Thursday. Make sure you have your schedules set accordingly so that you can be there, see who the Packers take with the 12th and 30th pick, assuming that they don't do anything obscure or strange with those picks. Maybe they'll trade, maybe they won't. So before we get into it today, just one bit of note. It's um, not necessarily a Packers note, but more of just a league note. Uh, If you haven't seen or heard already, uh, make sure to set your calendars tonight. The NFL is set to release its schedule, so that'll be coming out tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. So once you're done listening to the podcast, make sure you go to wherever you like to go to get your NFL news and look at the Packers' schedule for 2019, where they're playing and when. That'll all be coming out tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. So make sure to check that out later tonight. 
All right. Well, without further ado, let's jump into the podcast today. Uh, joining me again this week is Owen Reese. Uh, Russell Brown uh, could not join us today. Uh, he had some things come up with his family, so it'll be just me and Owen tonight. Owen is a writer for Bucks Fifth Quarter and Inside the Pylon and played right guard at Carroll University. You can follow him on Twitter at Reese Draft. So, Owen, today we are talking about the tight end position in the draft, um, a position that many feel the Packers need. Uh, they have Jimmy Graham. He didn't quite turn out to be what they kind of hoped he would be last year. And after that, you know, they brought back Mercedes Lewis, but he's up there in age. Uh, and, you know, he's more of a blocking tight end than actually a receiving tight end. So uh, the two big name tight ends in the draft are TJ Hawkinson and Noah Fant, both tight ends from Iowa. They are linked to being first round picks and both of them have been linked to the Packers as potential landing spots at either 12 or 30 uh, in the first round. So Let's just get right into it with these guys. So TJ Hawkinson and Noah Fant, they're both juniors. Hawkinson is 6'5", 251, runs a 4740, 17 reps on the bench, and has a 37.5-inch vertical. Noah Fant, uh, he is 6'4", 249, runs a 4540, 20 reps on the bench, and a 39.5-inch vertical. So height, weight, they're pretty similar in build. Uh Pretty close in 40-yard time, and I mean, when you look at these numbers, and obviously they don't tell the whole story, but uh, they they are, on paper, they look very similar. So both have been linked to the Packers as possible first-round picks. So, Owen, to you, who is the better tight end, and which one would be a better fit for the Packers right now? Uh, I think, uh, to me, I think TJ Hawkinson is probably the better fit for the Packers. Uh, Matt LaFleur uses a lot of tight ends, a lot of two tight end sets uh, coming out of that Shanahan McVay tree. Uh, and, and really, TJ Hawkinson is much more adept playing in line, uh, much more comfortable as a blocker, uh, and much more effective as a blocker than Noah Fanta is. So I think that for uh, an offense like Green Bay that's going to covet uh, deception, maybe for lack of a better word, or having a lot of things look very similar a lot of window dressing as far as formations and things, but a lot of similar concepts and things that build off of each other. Uh, I think that Hawkinson's, while his uh, electric, or maybe his receiving ability isn't as electric as Noah Fant's, I think that overall game uh, would appeal more to Green Bay uh, than than Fant's more, uh, a single more, one, a little more one-dimensional. Uh, I was actually at a, a coaching clinic earlier this spring, uh, and Iowa's offensive line coach was there and spoke and uh, was very glowing of, of TJ Hawkinson, but also mentioned about Noah Fant that that really that when Fant got to Iowa, he compared him to a point guard. He's like he wanted nothing to do with anyone, any contact, any size, any anything other than catching the ball. Um, so while Fant is no uh, no slouch in the run game, I, it's by no means a weakness of his uh, as he's developed at Iowa. I think Hawkinson is a, as a dynamic blocker, and I guess probably the gap between Hawkinson and Fant's receiving ability is smaller than the gap between Hawkinson and Fant as a blocker. So I think to me, Hawkinson's probably the more ideal fit, although really you'd probably have a hard time going wrong with either of them if you're Green Bay. 
And so when we talk about fit and everything, uh, you know, one of the things we look at if if you take them with the first round in the first round, uh, there's a lot of expectations. First round picks are usually expected to contribute rookie year. Is there one that is more NFL ready today in the sense that uh, come day one, you're going to notice an impact? Or are they both there or are they both going to need some time to develop? Where do they stand as far as being able to contribute right away for the Packers? I would be willing to say that that Hawkinson is probably a bit closer uh, to, to being immediately uh, ready to contribute. Uh, like I said, just due to that blocking, he has transferable skills. Obviously, the level of physicality is, is different from the NFL than it was in college. Uh, but coming from the Big Ten and as much um, physical football and a lot of tight ends and stuff as, as Iowa and the rest of the Big Ten uses, uh, I think that's as um, – other than maybe being in the SEC, I think that's probably the, the best transition you can make as a tight end. Uh, Fant obviously has the, uh, the, the receiving ability. I think you can flex him out kind of like – um, you know what what the Chiefs do a lot with Travis Kelsey I think they're they're pretty similar that way uh, and and that's an immediate thing um, you know moving to the NFL there's different uh, the difference in in the speed and size of the defenders uh, and, and the coverage ability of guys but um, I mean really I'd, I'd probably see them very similar that way I would like I said lean Hawkinson due to the blocking ability uh, but but both should be able to uh, contribute immediately as receivers as well um, and like I said, Fant being a bit different, probably being detached from the formation rather than in line like Hawkinson. Um, but yeah, I, I guess I would give the, the slight edge to Hawkinson again, um, though I don't think there's by no means a chasm between the two. Uh, and, and really, uh, kind of to expound on these two a bit, uh, Noah Fant came into 2018 with all the hype. Nobody was talking about TJ Hawkinson. Uh, Noah Fant put up big time touchdown numbers in 2017. And and was really the the projected Mackey Award uh, winner, or projected to be that way. He's the uh, up and away the the most recognizable tight end heading into this season. And um, while obviously he's really done nothing to hurt that, uh, to be um, you know kind of leapfrogged by your teammate is something pretty amazing, really. Uh, that Hawkinson went from a guy that was a, a role player at Iowa last year to um, you know, like I said, to leapfrogging the one of the nation's top tight end prospects within the, their own team, uh, I think was, was pretty unique. Um, and that was another thing that, that, uh, coach Palasek, uh, Iowa's offensive line coach was talking about that be the first team in NFL history to have or first college team, uh, to produce two first round tight ends in the same year, uh, which is pretty remarkable when you think about it. Yeah. You know, very remarkable, you know, um, tight end is a, Interesting position in the draft in the sense that uh, you go all the way back to 2000, you're usually seeing at least one tight end taken in the draft um, in the first round anyway. Uh, Green Bay hasn't taken a tight end in the first round of the draft since 2000 when they drafted Bubba Franks at number 14 overall. Um, And, you know, so speaking of tight ends in the first round, you know, is... Is the tight end position worthy of a first-round pick? And I know a lot of that kind of depends on what players you have and, you know, what their skill levels are. But when you look at positions, you know, obviously offensive tackle, quarterback, you know, those are, uh, you know, defensive ends, edge rushers. Those are kind of the players, you, they're the true impact 
players. So is tight end worthy of a consideration for a number one pick? Typically, I would be in the, the, the camp that said no. I'm, I'm a big believer in that you need to take the best football players you can, so I try not to exclude positions. But you're right. To an extent, uh, you know, tight end isn't necessarily a premium position. And in most classes, I, I think that you wouldn't really consider it. Um, you know, but we've talked about this on the pod the last couple of weeks. The flexibility that the Packers really purchased themselves in free agency – uh, with addressing some of those other needs, uh, and you don't want to draft for need with your first pick in the first round either. But really, I it wouldn't shock me at all if the Packers have one or both of those tight ends very high on their board. One or both of them should be available at twelve, and in an offense that, uh, and Lafleur has mentioned that is going to be more reminiscent of Shanahan's offense than McVeigh's, at least as far as a uh, a personnel grouping standpoint. San Francisco just featured George Kittle breaking the NFL record for receiving yards and catches in a season. So it's not maybe as big of a stretch as it normally would be to uh, create a compelling argument that a tight end in the top 15 uh, might not be quite as uh, quite as much of a reach as it would be traditionally. So, uh, so if you consider... Let's let's pretend for a second that Green Bay, they take a position other than tight end at twelve, and both Fant and Hawkinson are sitting there at thirty, and say they take one of them at thirty, and then say that they get to forty-four in the second round, and the other one is still sitting there. Is that something that Green Bay looks at and considers? Hey, we can take one in the first round. And the other one in the second round, is that something that Green Bay would consider taking both of them? That's a good question. Um, I, I would, uh, I guess, shooting from the hip, I'd probably say no. Um, just because that's a, a very large investment in one position. Um, especially one like tight end, where really you only have one starter. I mean, it, if you use, if you're going to lead the league in like 21 personnel, then, or excuse me, in 12 personnel, then by all means go for it. Uh, I think... It wouldn't be the most outlandish thing uh, when you consider that after 2019, Jimmy Grant's probably gone and Mercedes Lewis is like 36 years old. So, I mean, if you move forward into 2020 and your three tight ends are TJ Hawkinson, Noah Fant, and, and Robert Tanyan, if he's still on the roster at that point, you could be set up a hell of a lot worse um, than having those two guys, those two premier uh, tight ends, uh, both on your roster. I think that would probably be a bit of an embarrassment of riches situation. I, I don't foresee, um, and I, I don't understand we're just doing this for the sake of the exercise. I don't foresee um, either of them getting out of the first round. I think that uh, Green Bay is going to be obviously a target at, at either spot. I also think that it would be hard-pressed for the other one to not get picked by the Raiders uh, in, the, in those, those, two tw- those 24th and 27th picks. Um, Iowa very much known for for being a big time culture school. A you know we know what we are. We're not, we have our identity. We play to our identity. We recruit to our identity. Um, you know we're tough guys. We're strong. We run the football, and and we're we're physical football players. I think that's going to appeal to Mike Mayock quite a bit. John Gruden as well. Uh, so it wouldn't surprise me at all if if the Raiders weren't big players for either of these guys with those two first round picks they have in the twenties. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, I guess for the sake of the exercise, if you could, if if the Packers took uh, Brian Burns at twelve or or Ed Oliver or, or a front seven player, for instance, uh, and then in the it, at thirty and forty four, they were able to get both of them at tight end. Uh, like I said, you would be it would be a big investment to a position that we just clarified isn't necessarily a premium position. Um, but I mean, I, for lack of a, a more appropriate example, the the Patriots took Rob Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez in the same class, uh, and obviously we saw how that worked out um, off the field. But on the field, it worked out to perfection. Uh, as far as they were concerned, they had bo- they had extended both of them early. They were both uh, premier players of their position, up and coming, and really allowed that offense a ton of flexibility. Uh, because you could sit in 12 personnel and teams legitimately don't know if you're going to run with two tight ends or if you can beat them with the pass with two tight ends. Um, you know, so that's that's a hell of a uh, a concept or a hell of a possibility. I don't know if it would happen, and I don't know if the Packers would do it, uh, but I think there's a lot worse decisions that teams are going to make in the first round in this class than the Packers would be doing that. So when we look at the Packers and their two first-round picks – I, from what what you know about the position and the draft, if they were to take one of these two guys, assuming they're available, um, is it more likely that they draft one of them at 12, or is it more likely that they take someone else at 12 and wait till 30 to see if one of these two guys is, is still there? Well, and I think that's what, like you just said, I think that's the, the issue that the Packers might have, is that, the, well, we'll see if, we're, if they're still there. I think if, if you're high enough on a tight end that you would consider taking them at 12, uh, I don't think you risk them getting to 30. Um, so I, I don't uh, – I, I think at this point I would probably lean towards it's more likely for them to take one at 12. Like I said, just to see if they're that high on both of them, um, you know, just make sure you go get your guy. If you're that high on TJ Hawkinson or Noah Fant, go get him because I think you would rather maybe quote-unquote reach for a guy – that as a team you're very high on and it would be a quote unquote reach uh, from like a position value perspective or a, a media perspective. But if, if, if no offense, the number four player on the Packers board, go get him at 12. That's great value. Uh, and that, and that's a, a premier position for you. Um, it might not be a premier position value wise, but if you're that high on a player, go get him, And that makes him a premier player at a position uh, on your roster. So, I, th- I guess at this point, if they take one of the two top tight ends, I would pick probably the 12th pick uh, as being more likely of the two uh, to end up that way. And so now let's let's again kind of run through another exercise here. So let's assume that they go, like you said, a front seven player at 12. Does, do, does Green Bay or do you even view either of these guys as someone where – uh, Green Bay sits there and says, well, we can trade the 30th pick and maybe the 44th pick to move up to 20 and grab them because they probably won't be there by 30 if that's what they're thinking. It, are either of them worth you know, trading up for and maybe throwing away your second, your, your, your number 44 pick in order to get them? And, I, and again, I'm, I'm assuming a, a lot of your answer is going to be based on, well, do you, you know, do you value them that way? But is that something that Green Bay considers, or are they really not worth throwing that second-round pick away for them? I, see, then that's, that's interesting, I think, because if you, <clears throat> if you value them highly enough, I guess, and I don't think it's out of the question, I guess, to answer yours. Uh, if 
And like I said, for instance, if the Packers have TJ Hawkinson as a top eight player on their board or a top 10 player on their board, but they also had Brian Burns or they also had Jonah Williams or Jawan Taylor or whomever, and they took him at, you know, Jawan Taylor was the number three player on Packers board and he was there at 12. So they took him. And then you get up there and you're like, well, TJ Hawkinson's number nine. And right now we're at the 20th slot. I don't think he's going to get to 30. We have a much higher grade on Hawkinson than we do on anyone that we would be able to get at 30. I don't think, um, I mean, it might not be a super popular decision for the fans. It might not be super sexy with the, the prospect of the, the three top 44 guys. Um, but really, that's kind of what you got this first round pick for was the ability to, it's a luxury. If you want to stay pat at 30, go ahead. If you want to use it to move up, because you wouldn't be able to move up to 20 with just 44, you'd be salvaging further and further into your draft. Um, you know, so I, I would have no issue with it. I think that if they were to do so, I think that would be a, a glowing endorsement of what they feel uh, or what they think of either of those tight ends um, rather than uh, anything else. But, I mean, if, if they're – I would have no issue with it. I think if the, at that point to trade back up uh, to get there, I think that in, in the Packers' mind they're getting a big-time premier player, and I think any fan should be excited about that. Might not be excited about giving up the extra capital – uh, for what they may perceive to be a a unworthy player, but um, like I said, anytime you can add a talent that the team values that highly, I think you're you're pretty happy with it. All right. Well, so we've spent a lot of time talking about Hawkinson and Fant, and that's because they are the two top tight ends in, in this draft. So let's 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 look elsewhere within the tight end position. Uh, give me some guys that you're kind of thinking that the Packers could draft maybe later on in the draft, second, third, fourth, maybe even fifth round that you'd get good value and that could fit into this offense. Who are are some guys you're looking at for that? Sure. So I think the first one, uh, I'll go um, how I perceive them or where they, I think they'll end up going in that order. Uh, The first one would be Jay Sternberger uh, from Texas A&M. He first one, he went to Kansas for his freshman year uh, and then he went to a Juco and ended up at A&M. Uh, and really kind of blew up. He's a, he's probably more of a, a fan style, received more of a flex style tight end. He's not um, not going to get paid to block uh, for sure. I think um, maybe a slightly less uh, impressive workout, but the same same style of player as Mike Kosicki was a couple of years ago coming out of Penn State. Uh, he's a big, he's like 6'4", 250, uh, really solid athlete, um, good over the middle, reliable hands. I think he's probably... Uh, like I said, more in that that fant role. However, the Packers want to use, um, you know, the non-traditional inline tight ends. Uh, however, you would plan to use Jimmy Graham in 2019. I think is probably how you would plan on using Jay Sternberger in 2020 uh, if you were to go that route uh, moving forward. Uh, the next one I'll go with is Trevon Wesco from West Virginia. He's a bit of a different body type. He's like six three and closer to two seventy. Uh, so he's kind of a shorter guy, more of a thought to be an H back or possibly even a fullback. Uh, but guys like uh, you know Matt, Le- they're, and I'm not going to compare them as a player. But uh, Matt Lafleur was just in Tennessee. Uh, a lot of what he was attempting to do before he got hurt was to pattern this passing game around Delaney Walker. Delaney Walker is a much shorter than normal tight end as well. So I think that's something that 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 size profile wouldn't scare Lafleur away. Uh, he's he said he's a devastating blocker. He's very physical. Um, with some uh, deceiving abilities uh, after the catch for a kind of a, a stouter, thicker guy. 
uh, can really make some moves in the open field and, and, and show that at West Virginia. Uh, and then the last name I'll mention here uh, is someone that um, our buddy Ben Fennell uh, mentioned in a tweet a few days ago um, when he was talking about what he thinks the Packers are going to look for at tight end, and that's Tommy Sweeney out of Boston College. Um, there is absolutely nothing that Tommy Sweeney does that will blow you away, uh, but he's another bigger guy. He's around 6'5 and 260, uh, and and I can, we, you and I were talking just prior to, the, to coming on the air here. I, I would call him like a Heath Miller light. Uh, he's, he's a guy that he's going to line up in line. He's not going to threaten anybody with speed, uh, being flexed out in the slot, but he's going to line up in line. Um, he's going to be very good as a blocker and offer enough as a receiver that you have to be honest with him, uh, as a defense. And I think that's something that with the Packers looking to run more 12 personnel, uh, anything they can do to, um, like I said, to save face, I don't think Jimmy Graham's going to be a great option for them in year one in that role. And so I mentioned someone like Hawkinson who can do both. Um, I think that's where he that value really is, and I think Tommy Sweeney is a much less shiny, much less sexy uh, style of player um, in the same vein that TJ Hawkinson is. I think that um, he'll be somewhere on day three. Some team's going to get their second tight end uh, and and be um, be really happy with it. I think another guy that you could probably compare him to would be Anthony Fasano, the old uh, Dolphins and Cowboys tight end. He's never going to be. Uh, flashy or, or extraordinary from an athletic perspective, but he's going to be very solid. He's going to do exactly what you ask him to do, um, and he'll be good for three or four touchdowns a year in the red zone and and be a very reliable blocker. And, and quickly, for for the listeners, uh, those three guys that you just mentioned, if the Packers were to target any one of those three, where where in the draft are, are we? would Green Bay be looking to target these guys? Where Where do you think they would go as far as round? I think I think if they could get Sternberger at seventy six, I think they'd be pretty pretty happy with that. Um, I think he's going to go on day two. Wesco, um, I, depending on how teams see him, um, you know, I think teams is, uh, that see him as a tight end will have him a bit higher than as a fullback. Uh, but I think he's probably around round five, uh, and then Sweeney's probably somewhere around there, maybe a little lower. Um, I don't I don't think teams are going to swoon over over his athleticism or anything, so that could cause him to. Uh, to drop, we always see players with that that quote unquote high upside uh, get taken a bit higher, um, a little more premium on them uh, from a draft perspective as far as as potential. But uh, Tommy Sweeney, probably in that fifth sixth round, someone's going to get a tight end to uh, for the next six to seven years and and really not regret it at all. Um, you know, something that the fifth or sixth round pick, a lot of fans can scoff at and, and say, well, you know, who cares? It's a fifth or sixth round pick. Tommy Sweeney is about as sure a thing uh, as you could probably going to get in this class. It's never going to be a, a high-level starter or anything, but um, very solid, somewhere in that mid-day three range. All right, great. Well, so before we wrap up here quick, uh, Packers have two picks in the first round. Bold, just, just a prediction, if you had to put money on it, does Green Bay take a tight end in the first round? I think they will. All right, so be on the lookout for that in day one of the NFL Draft. Again, just eight days away. We're closing in on it. I know you're all very excited to see what the Packers do, especially with those two first-round picks. So that'll be a lot of fun to watch in just over a week. Well, that is all the time that we have for today, guys. Um, 
Owen, thank you very much for being here. Thank you so much for flying solo with me. Uh, we really appreciate your time here. Again, uh, Owen is a writer for the Bucks fifth quarter and inside the pylon and played right guard at Carroll University. And you can follow him on Twitter at Reese Draft. Uh, he will be back again with me next week, uh, along hopefully with Russell Brown. Hopefully he'll be able to join us again the next week. Um, we'll be looking at the biggest draft sleepers right before the draft. Make sure you guys tune in tomorrow. Steve does. Dusty and Tyler will be breaking down the running backs position and where Green Bay could maybe get some value there and what they should be looking for at the running back position in the draft. Thank you so much again for listening, guys. Again, you can follow me on Twitter at SportsSmitty. Uh, we'll be coming to you again, like I said, in a week uh, talking about draft sleepers. So with that, we are out of time for the day. Make sure to also tonight, remember, check out the NFL schedule that is being released tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern time. You can find out when the Packers will be playing all of their games for the upcoming 2019 season. So thank you so much again for listening, guys. And as always, go Pack Go! Third and six, trailing 30 to 23. Two minutes straight up to go in the game. San Francisco showing a blitz through the A gap, and here they come. Rodgers looking. Throws left side of the end zone. He gets touchdown. Adams, left corner of the end zone from Aaron Rodgers. 16 yard touchdown pass. The Packers an extra point away from getting this game tied. Beathard on third, down and three in the shotgun. Football to the 46 at Green Bay. Packers showing a blitz, and here they come. Beathard looking, hit as he throws it. Deep down the right sideline, and intercepted on the play. Spectacular interception by Kevin King at the nine-yard line of Green Bay. Sam to Rogers looking right. Throws the right side, St. Brown makes the touch. Oh, he reached back to gather it in, using all 6'5 of his frame. Tumbled out of bounds inside the 30 of the 28 yard line. Snap to Rodgers, looking downfield, throws the left side. Devontae's got it, out of bounds inside the 10 yard line. Oh my goodness, what a throw and catch. Again, they beat Maven down the left sideline. Hunter Bradley the snap. J.K. Scott down on one knee. Arm extended. Here is placement made. Kick is up. It is good. It is good. Mason Crosby delivers the dagger. One week after his worst day ever, he delivers the dagger tonight. And the Packers win 33-30.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.